What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm your co-host, James Jackson, joined by my guys, Kyle Sarek, and our residential statistician, Stat Matt. Guys, we're like week two into the NBA bubble. We're back in the full swing of all sports, NBA, uh, MLB, NFL still up in the air, but we'll see. You know, we'll get to that later. But uh, how are we doing with this first first week, first week of August down? I'm doing great. <laughs> Sixers look shaky like usual, but... I love having to complain about bad sports rather than having no sports at all. I'm jumping on the Flyers playoff bandwagon like I do every time they make the playoffs, so that'll be sweet. That's what and I think. We, that's what I think. Like everybody should do at this point. And you took the shaky. Four for four. Look at the shirt. Four for four. <laughs> you took the shaky. That's not fair. You can't take the shaky thing from me. I was gonna wait till later in the episode to bring that out, and then you just took it for right under my feet. That's not. I'm not really cool about that. Kyle Sir got the got the Sixers hat on, so he's on the bandwagon too. Yes, sir. Fresh hat. I actually just got it this weekend. All black Sixers. I like it. Um, I'm loving that Swiss is back. Is it feeling weird that the bubble is normal now? That it yep. almost feels normal? Okay, I thought I was the only one who who thought this, but hear me out. When I was watching the first couple of NBA games, I had to remind myself that no fans were there. Exactly. Like, if I just got lost in the game, I couldn't really tell. And I wonder how many, like, players, like, once they just get lost in playing the game, how much they can really tell that no fans are there. Second halves, to me, right now, are just, like, this is basketball. This is the yeah. NBA we've been missing. First glance, it's like, this is kind of like Summer League, and then you notice the intensity they're playing with, and like, oh, wait, no, this is actual NBA basketball. Bro, like, and, and the NBA couldn't have asked for better games, right? Like, you can't ask for wi- literally wire-to-wire games pretty much every night except maybe one or two. How many people watched the Suns game before the quarantine? Nobody. And now people are all over the Devin Booker. First of all, before we even get started, claps to us. You can go back two weeks ago and listen to us. Give Talk about the Suns. We we did say they're not going to make the playoffs, but we probably were the only ones in the country to give a Suns highlight and be like, there's, there's a reason why they're here. Like, there, yeah. there's something here with this team. Like, you got to give our – we got to pat ourselves on the back for that one. But mm-hmm. we got to get started eventually, so – Another team that's kind of surprising people, too, are the Indiana Pacers. And that's what our fast straight at you is about. The Pacers come in with a really balanced offense and scoring uh, seven players that average 10 points a game or more. And their defense is also better than advertised, too. Sixth in defensive rating. So I don't know if you can be slept on being like a, a five seed in the East, being a, a stamped in playoff team in the East. But why are the Pacers so under the radar right now? Like, Why are they so shocking? Number one is that they play in Indiana, um, and they're always a constant. They're never really terrible. They're never a powerhouse. Every year, it seems like they go 48 and 34. But this year, even though they lost the bonus, they are still playing good basketball. I know it's been three games, and TJ Warren has been the bubble MVP so far. Yes, he has. Definitely. I wanted, I, I think maybe, maybe... Sabonis' injury might help them. I know he's an all-star, but hear me out. They last in the NBA in three-point rate, and that's despite the fact that they had four different players that shoot 39% or better from three. Now they're shooting, oh, they're no Sabonis, and they're clawing up to a league average. In the bubble, it's been 34.5% of possessions. And if you look game by game, the only game where like they it was like 38%, 38%, and then against the Wizards, they only shot like 28%. So whatever. But you don't need it to shoot threes to beat the Wizards. Um, but if they start shooting more threes, they are going to be very dangerous. Milwaukee, I said, I've already gone on record saying Milwaukee's only going to lose three postseason games until they win the title. Mm. But that's not looking too strong right now, Bucko. If they fall to the sixth seed or climb to the to the um three seed, they got a they got a shot at making some noise. They could upset if they play. Say Boston falls to four, they'll beat Boston. Mm -hmm. Like they'll they'll definitely do some damage, and that the three point shot is is a huge part of it. And that's where the Pacers, like, were a weird team, right? Like, they they you know, have this really balanced offense, but they come in last in the league in three-point rate. So they're shooting threes, you know, 31% of their possessions when the league average is 38%. But they shoot the three ball well. And that's the, the funny thing about this Pacers team is when you look at when you look at them on paper, if you kind of just say, if you just shoot more threes, you, you make more threes, 
you'd win more games and you'd score more points. And so if you look at this this Pacers team, if they start to do that, Matt, you uh, just alluded to it, the fact that they're clawing towards that, like they can really embrace that and really get going. And yes, TJ Warren for bubble MVP. I'm all for that. That's ridiculous. I mean, 50 bomb against the Sixers. He starts yesterday, yesterday's game 8 for 8, but is this surprising? I think the 50 bomb surprising, but this is their... Um, is it surprising from TJ Warren? Yeah. Y- yes. This is their I, leading I score. Wait, I, I, have I know no we up. saying that. It was surprised the hell out of me. It made me laugh a little bit, but it surprised the hell out of me. We we got we got to hit on the Suns for a bit. I know we just popped them up, but how do you give away TJ Warren for literally nothing? Because at the they time, away because at the time the draft. hindsight is twenty twenty, Matt. No, but he, was like, he was averaging like eighteen points per game last year. He wasn't like a nobody. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't bubble MVP fifty game a night. First of all, let me just say this: Yes, he he was very steady all year, but going into the bubble, the Pacers didn't think TJ Warren was going to lead their offense. Correct. I don't. I don't think they. I don't think they expected that. So right. when you go all the way back to the Suns trade, and you know, if the if the Suns thought they were getting good for, I'm assuming it was draft picks. So if the Suns thought they were getting their worth in draft picks, I don't really blame them at the time. It was a second round pick. Okay, that might be a little hard. <laughs> <laughs> He's their leading scorer and efficient, 54 percent shooting. I mean, obviously the explosion's a bit surprising, but a lot of the offense is already on his back. Yeah. And I guess when you when you have an in and out Victor Oladipo, Malcolm Brogdon isn't really an offensive offensive threat, and you're dealing without Sabonis. I guess it was bound that, that TJ Warren was going to step up. You yeah. know, who else was going to if he didn't? Because Victor Oladipo isn't really reliable right now on the offense, or really at all, like any any sustainable amount. I think he'll he get there though. He's shooting the worst three point percentage this year of his career. That injury is tough to come back from, but and he still seems to need more time. I think going back to Matt's point, though, it does make sense that losing Sabonis could open up this offense. Obviously, on the three balls, but you lose Sabonis and you basically get Oladipo. You played what twelve games this year, maybe fifteen. So you lose that star, but you still bring back Oladipo, and it could be better for their whole offense. And they can they can make noise, but we have to remember who they're going up against. They're going up against all defenses that defend the three point well. Like even if we talk about they need to shoot more threes, they need to make more threes. But you talk about Milwaukee, the best the best team defensively against the three ball in the league. Boston defends the three ball really well. Miami defends the three ball really well. The Sixers, when they want to, defend the three ball really well. So these are all teams that they're still going to have to face. And, and that's the wall that they run up against. Like, I know they're riding a lot of momentum right now. And, like, bro, I will ride this TJ Warren, you know, this TJ Warren bandwagon until the wheels fall off. Like, <laughs> it's, it's really fun to watch him play. But when it gets down to it, can they actually go up against the Milwaukee's, the Boston's, the Miami's of the world? I gotta, I gotta correct myself. I was hating on Oladipo a bit. His first eight games back, he was rough. He only averaged ten points per game, shot twenty-five percent from three. But in his last seven games, he's averaging like seventeen points per game. He's shooting thirty-seven percent from three. It's like old Oladipo with just last minutes play. Yeah. And that fill-in for Sabonis is right there. How about TJ Warren, though, going from possibly the worst basketball market in Phoenix to Indiana? Like, can this guy get on a – can he get into a big city? Can he do something? Maybe? No. Trust <laughs> me or do, like – I guess, like, big markets do better for your team. But, like, I always default to Milwaukee. Like, Milwaukee's not a big market. But they're doing fine. Yeah. They're good. A, a small market means you don't have margin for error. The Lakers can fuck up for deck for a whole decade, and then LeBron will still want to go to them. There's no way LeBron's going to fucking Milwaukee. But I don't. That's what I don't get. To go off on a tangent real quick, that's what I don't understand. Like, I guess I'm not in that position to like take into account the off court ventures that you can get and the off court capital that you can get from going to a big market. But if I'm LeBron James and it's between. Philly or LA, I guess, you know, back then, he kind of, I don't know, it may look like he made the right decision, but it's between Philly and LA, like basketball-wise, to me, the decision was Philly. And if, if anyone, like... like The right decision the was the Clippers, but he wanted the name, name recognition. The Clippers would have been the smart, but he wants to be a part of the Laker legacy. Yeah, that's that's true. But, like, so, to me, if, if, you know, if the Hornets, if the Charlotte Hornets have... The, the right pieces, and I'm a superstar, and it literally makes sense to go there. 
Like me going there, winning a championship. Like there's your buzz. I don't care what city you're in in America. There's your they got TVs everywhere, man. Like there's your buzz. Yeah. So like I've never understood. Like no, nah, he he won't ever go to Milwaukee. Giannis is gonna leave Milwaukee because he wants a bigger media market. Giannis is on TV every day. Giannis yeah. every and Giannis like grew up on the streets of Greece, like, like and now he's a king in Milwaukee. I don't see why he'd want to leave. That's my, my point. And Milwaukee's good. And a couple years ago, terrible. he was interviewed and said, "For Milwaukee to keep me, they'll have to build a championship contending team," and they did. <laughs> they did it. And guess what? Winning championships makes you a better media market. Imagine mm-hmm. if Boston didn't win. Imagine Boston wasn't a good sports town. You think anyone be talking about Boston? Like no, like there's like a bunch of American history shit, but I think the best example is Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City is like a cool place because of Durant and Westbrook, and now it's like it's no one thinks of Oklahoma City as the middle of nowhere because Durant and Westbrook made it cool. Like sports teams can make the town. That's that's if you take away anything from this episode, that's it right there. Regardless of what we say about the Pacers and the Raptors next, that's the that's the biggest fact that we spit all day. Like my point. Go ahead, Kyle. My point. My point more here is just like so. TJ Warren, the casual basketball fan, he doesn't know this guy, even though he's averaging twenty a game. You know, but you take a guy, a similar guy who's a similar big market, maybe the like casual, the casual fan knows Alex Caruso. Maybe like, like Kuzma. <laughs> There's a point right there. Kuzma, PJ fan. Tucker, these guys in these big markets that probably play the same role, even to mm-hmm. a limited extent. And that's I got I got a Tobias Harris about those kind of fans though. Yeah, like, facts. he's almost like a Tobias Harris type, but he doesn't have any name rec. A step right, here's below. The thing, outside of like the northeastern area or like avid basketball fans, I bet there's some people on the west coast who don't know who Tobias Harris is either. Yeah, that was him back you on the magic. Know, you just know him so much because he plays for the Sixers, but like yeah. he's like third, fourth tier. And no, but when he was on the Clippers, people knew who he was because he was in LA. He was the Clipper guy then. Yeah, nobody knew who he was when he was on the Pistons or the Magic. Yeah. When he went to the Clippers, people knew who he was. Yeah. Or the Bucks. He was on the Bucks too, right? I want to say he was. Yeah, I want to say he was. All right, back back on schedule. We're back on schedule now because the Pacers aren't the only team that's kind of rolling heads, not just in the bubble, but all season. And that's the Toronto Raptors. Like, they've been surprising since day one just for how good they've been despite having Kawhi. 23-4 and in the last 27 games, but overall all season have a higher win percentage than they did last year. So it's got to be like the painstaking question right now is why or how are the Raptors this good without Kawhi? Like, no one saw this, right? I I, I kind of imagine they were going to ride championship momentum. You know, they weren't. They were going to want to prove that, you know, it wasn't all Kawhi, so they were going to be, you know, grit and grind their way. But I was thinking maybe a fourth seed or a fifth seed, just off the strength of championship DNA. But they've been the first or second best team in the East pretty much all season. How are they doing it? To me, so I think the championship is huge. They're like coming off that, the experience, then you lose your big star. You want to prove something, but it is the same roster. You lose Kawhi and you lose Danny Green, but Danny Green Ooh, wasn't your second scoring. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the big addition for me to their team this year has been the three ball. So they're shooting the three ball better this year. They're currently fourth best in the league in three pointers made and three point percentage. And eight of their top 10 players are all shooting the three at a better percentage this year. And one of the players that isn't is Pascal Siakam, who's shooting twice as many threes at the same exact percentage. So I think the three ball has really expanded their offense. And obviously, um, with Kyle Lowry there, you're going to get the shots up. Mm-hmm. And I, first of all, when you bring up Kyle Lowry, I wish Jake was here. Because we did an episode like like damn near a year ago where he was like shitting on Kyle Lowry. And I had to stop him. And I'm like, what? I don't understand why you like hate Kyle Lowry. I will admit, like watching watching him play, like his game kind of annoys me sometimes. I'm a fan of Kyle Lowry in the sense of like, yo, get it how you live, brother. Like, you know what I mean? Former former Wildcat. I won't knock his hustle. He a champion. You know, you know. I, I can't hate on his game, but like watching him, it does kind of sometimes it, it does kind of annoy me. So, but I do wish Jake was here because you got to give him his props, right? Like a 30-point game against the Lakers, and he's been, like, captain of the ship all season. Yeah. And they were wondering who was going to step up and replace Kawhi. The funny thing is, the Raptors did it collectively. And I think Pascal Siakam really stepped up on the floor and kind of, you know, was that go-to number one guy on the floor. But who stepped up as the leader has got to be Kyle it's Lowry. Easily Lowry, yeah. 
I mean, right? he was at the Rosen teams and with Kawhi. He's always been that two, though, like number two mm-hmm. guy. And now you've got the vet in the locker room. And Siakam's playing great on the floor, but it's Lowry's locker room. And he's the vet in Toronto. He's the one that's been there forever. I study, they, have no, study, I, they have no pressure on them anymore. Uh, before they got Kawhi, the other team, oh, they'll be good in the regular season, but then they'll just choke against the Cavs. And then they choke against the Cavs. <laughs> and then Kawhi came and they finally get over the hump. Now they have no pressure and no LeBron to worry about in their conference. So that's what makes him dangerous. Kyle Lowry has nothing to prove anymore. He's a champion. He's going to make the Hall of Fame. And he improved. If Iguodala's a Hall of Famer, Kyle Lowry's a Hall of Famer. If we're going to... Nah, there's levels to this. There's levels to this. There's levels to this. You can't... You stop saying that. Every time... <laughs> if <laughs> Mitch Richmond... Mitch Richmond. I'll get Mitch Richmond. You throw Iguodala at me. Like that, that justifies your hot take Hall of Famer. Kyle Lowry, six all-star teams, a champion, a gold medalist. Okay, okay. I'll, Kawhi I'll might have given Lowry a Hall of Fame bid. But I, I won't be surprised if it's not first ballot. Yeah, well, I'm surprised gonna, if it is. Weber's not first ballot yet, so. What do you, say? What'd you say? What do you like, say? No, Chris Weber wasn't first oh, ballot. Oh, oh, he's oh. been, he's been snapped. So like, if it takes Lowry a little bit, I won't be upset. But going back to it. He's doing something this year and is getting no credit for it that's completely unprecedented in the history of basketball. No point guard gets better from their age 32 to 33 season. Yeah, that's cool. I looked, I looked at all of them. I looked at Walt Frazier. I looked at Jerry West. I, I looked at Chris Paul. I looked at John Stockton. I looked at Allen Iverson. I looked at every single point guard I could think of that's great. And all of them, at best, stayed the same. Kyle Lowry has gotten significantly better. He's averaging 5.7 more points per game, and that's on better efficiency. He's averaging 59%. He has a 59% true shooting percentage compared to 56 last year. It does. He took the championship and said, "Fuck it, I'm going to do it again. Yeah, let's go. Let's see what we can do." And he is. And they, they're a team with everything to gain and nothing to lose, and they know it. And they're playing like it, man. And they're and they're playing like. They're the only one, the only core that has done it before. You look at, you know, the Boston's core. Hadn't done it before. Uh, Milwaukee's core. Hadn't done it before. Philly's core. Haven't done it before. All the cores that they're... Miami's core. Haven't done it before. All the cores that they're going to go up against, haven't done it. And they're kind of playing with like a bravado and a swagger. When they're looking at the other teams, like, y'all don't even know what it takes to get there. We want it, and y'all don't even know what it takes to get there. And I think that's a, a huge advantage to them. And remember, they have the championship golden child and Patrick McCall. Whatever team he's on with the title. <laughs> I mean, nothing's going, three three going three. nothing's going on for them right there. Bill Russell didn't win three titles in his first three years. Bill Russell won 11 and 13. Patrick McCall done something that Bill Russell did for championships. Yeah. And it, it, a lot of people are saying right now, who Milwaukee doesn't want to face? Who does Milwaukee not want to face? Who's Milwaukee not want to face? I think that narrative's got to shift. I think, like, yes, they are, I think, still four or five games of above Toronto for the number one seed. But I think it's like, who doesn't want to face Toronto right now? Like, I think Toronto might have to be the barometer in which, like, the East runs right now. Because, yes, they might sit at a number two seed, but LeBron is last year on the Cavs. You know, a bunch of years on, on the Cavs sat number two seed. And still went to the finals. The number two seed is is okay, especially now with no home court advantage. Especially they were they were the two seed last year. Yeah. So especially with no home court advantage, I, that two seed to me like doesn't really matter that much. They're still gonna be the home team for every series besides the Eastern Conference. Is, is there re- there's no real gap between Miami, Boston, Indiana, Philly? Ever, there's all any of them could be any order in mm-hmm. a ranking, and people would be fine with that. I agree. So the one or two seed doesn't matter because the Magic and the Nets. If you can't beat the Magic or Nets easily, then just you gotta leave everything. You gotta <laughs> so, Throw it all away. So it, it doesn't really matter if they're a one or two seed. They they are clearly the two best teams in the East, and. The Raptors haven't gotten enough credit for what they've done. 100%. The entire team has progressed. So last year, obviously, they rode Kawhi, and he got it done, especially in the playoffs. Lowry had some big games. But their second leading scorer last year was Pascal Siakam with 16.9. And they have three guys this year that are doing more than Siakam did last year. Siakam's up to 23 and a half. Lowry's up to 20, and Van Fleet's up to 18. 
And then you look even deeper on the roster and you got OG Anubi, who has improved this three ball to almost 40% from 32 from last year. You got Surge, who's improved 10% from 30, from 29 to 39. And then you add Terrence Roster, possibly the best three-point shooter on the team. And they're deeper than last year and playing more better as a team. They don't have that guy to ride anymore, but it doesn't matter. They're playing team ball now. And remember, OG and Anobi could didn't play a minute in the playoffs last year because of his injury. Yep. So that's another plus for them that people don't talk about. True. They really they like remember when the Warriors were talking about strength and numbers? Like the Raptors really embodied it this year where I think they looked around the room and was like, we don't have a guy who can just step in and fill the mold of, of Kawhi and, and fill that void. And I think it takes a whole lot from a team to be honest and be like, I can't ask Pascal Siakam to be Kawhi. I can't ask Kyle Lowry to be Kawhi. But I can ask everybody collectively to step up and do it. And we probably got a better shot of doing it than that. I think that's got to be like a Nick Nurse thing, right? Like, I think he's got to be one of the most underrated coaches in the league. I think he's damn near the best coach in the league right now, considering what he's doing. Yeah, because if Siakam or Lowry, if Siakam or Lowry steps in that role, they don't do what Kawhi did. And it hurts no, the team. Cool. Yeah. We could have a national situation where they lose Bryce Harper and win the trip. Why? Why would you <laughs> I said I, I I I hate to say it. it the how about the Cardinals losing Albert Pools and two years later yeah, making the World Series? Say that one. Say that one. <laughs> like damn. We're moving on now. <laughs> we're moving on now. All you right, gotta be unbiased. Yeah, I guess you got. I guess that just hurt a little bit. I got the AI, but Ryan Howard behind me too, making him frown. All right, we're gonna move on to speaking facts now. Um, so you know how this guy this goes, guys. I'm gonna give you a quote from someone in sports. You got to tell me if they're speaking facts or not. Kyle, I'll go to you first with this one. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about European basketball versus uh, USA or American basketball. And Tony Roten is the latest to come out and say NBA players are the best of the best, but overseas is overall harder. Is he speaking facts? Come on, man. He's not speaking facts. So you look deeper in this Roten quote, and he's talking about you got a smaller court and there's no defense to three seconds. So people can help defense more. They can camp there. There's big bodies down there. But no, he's not speaking facts. There's no talent level. I get it that, uh, who said it? Luca said it's easier to get a bucket in the NBA. But let me bring you to the Euro League right now, where Luca come from, which is probably the best league overseas. So, yeah, he, he was winning MVPs at 17. Yeah, so they <laughs> um, have a category, a stat called the index rating. It's a good tell of who's going to win the MVP, of how well a player is playing, tracks them throughout their ups and their downs, docks them, and gives them points whoever's due. And you want to know who leads the index rating right now in this past season, who's probably going to be the MVP because he's on the best team in the league. Shane. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. Oh, go for it. Guess, Rudy Fernandez. No, Shane Larkin. Shane Larkin. <laughs> Miami Legends. Shane Larkin. Yes. Don't disrespect Shane Larkin. Shane Larkin. He. I don't know if they're gonna give the award out this year because of the Corona shutdown the year, but he's on the best team in the league. He has the highest index rating in the league. He's like second in points per game. Shane Larkin is dominating the Euro League right now, and you can't yeah, give I, me that. And Andrea, Andrea Bargnani got kicked out of the kicked out of the NBA, went to the Euro League, copped like three chips and a couple MVPs. Like he was lighting it up over there. Karolinko won one too after the NBA. I mean, the list goes on and on. But you so can't. Ron Marbury is like a legend in China. They got statues for him because he's averaging like forty points per game. And he was like thirty-seven. And Jimmer did it too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, the only way I could see this argument kind of work if I'm giving benefit of the doubt is I think there's a lot of European players who don't get paid as much as NBA players that try 100% all the time compared to like an NBA eighth man who gets paid like three mil a year and like a European eighth man's making like 500k a year that's that's so, where I saw you was coming so it's more that you'll you can get you can't get the easy buckets because the guy's resting for the day for whatever reason right. uh but consistently the nba is much tougher, much that's, tougher. That, that's where i thought the validity of the comment was was coming from he did say that the nba is the best of the best he's the best players in the world yeah no but but i think he was like you know if, if i if it's a tuesday night against the suns shit's a lot easier than it is on a, i guess a random tuesday night against 
uh, I guess not the Suns anymore, but you know what I mean. I guess Istanbul. Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess the, the Shanghai Sharks. Like, hey, it might, it might be different. Okay. At least go with, like, Real Madrid, who's, like, a really good basketball team. They'll go with the Shanghai Sharks. <laughs> it's like the 2K team. All right, we're going to move on. The second one comes from our good old friend Chuckster, Charles Barkley. He said, if the Blazers get in the playoffs, they will, not can, they will upset the Lakers in the first round. Matt, is he speaking facts? What are we doing? (laughs) Well, why are we... Barkley does stupid shit like this all the time, and the sad thing is he actually believes it. Like, he picked the Clippers to, like, win the chip. The year they lost in the first, like, the last year. Far off takes. That's not far off take. No, no. When the Warriors went with KD, he said the Clippers would beat them in the playoffs and they lost in the first round. It's in a tough-ass six-game matchup. You know that. You know that. It wasn't easy. No, no, no. I'm not talking about – I'm talking about the last year of Chris Paul, like, when they lost to fucking Utah in the first round. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, oh, the Warriors without KD. The Warriors without KD. Yeah. I knew we were leaving and losing in the first round. Yeah, and the Blazers look fantastic with Nurkic. Nurkic yep. is playing his ass off. I, I forgot how good Nurkic was. I forgot how good a healthy use of Nurkic was. But can we remind ourselves how many times LeBron has lost in the first round of his career? It's still zero, right? I'm not... Still I'm <laughs> and he has Anthony Davis on his team, so the two best players in that series will be on the Lakers. Yeah, yeah it, uh, at, if the Blazers are lucky, they'll push him to six. And you saw what the Lakers did to the, the fifth-seeded Jazz right now. The mm-hmm. fourth-seeded Jazz were dusting them off. So, I don't know. I think, Chuck, to, to be fair, Chuck said this before the bubble started. It's not like he just said this like a day or two. He said this, I think, like a week before the NBA re- restart. Um and at that time, it was looking like, like yes, that's a, a possibility. There's a lot of unknown. We don't know how the Lakers are going to be. We don't know how the Blazers are going to look with a healthy, a healthy use of Nurkic and a rest in mellow. And I think there was some uncertainty with Avery Blatton leaving, with the new Lakers coming aboard. And he was saying, like, if they played right now, the Blazers might get them in a seven-game series. And said, then the bubble, and then said the bubble, will, though. And then, above, and then the bubble started. And then, and then shit started, and the Blazers looked shaky a couple of nights, and the Lakers kind of lately have looked dominant. So I think right now he's not speaking facts, but when he said it, I, like I heard him. There's there's a lot of times where I blow Chuck off, and this time I heard him. I, heard I actually him. I actually almost like the validity of the statement more in the bubble. I mean, Nurkic came back like that, man. You know what Dame's going to give you. CJ can't be far off from as usual. And as we stand right now, the Lakers are down. 52 to 45 at half to the Thunder. I mean, we know what LeBron's going to do. I don't like the quote. No, he's not speaking facts to get that out there. But if he changes that to Ken, beat the Lakers, I'm not mad. Right. right. If he changes it to Ken, he's... he's. I, I think Dame gets you a game, no doubt. I don't think they get swept. Matt says it can go to six. I think it can go to six. Seven's a stretch. Ken. We'll change the Ken, and it's correct. The last one comes from AD of the Lakers, and we're going to stay on theme here. He said, I think we are the Lakers. I think our chances got higher. We're all rested and ready to go. So, Kyle, go back to you. Is he speaking facts? That his chances got higher? Yeah. He's speaking facts. You give LeBron, I've said this before, you give LeBron four months, three months to just look at the whole league, not have to play, rest up. He's getting older now, and anything's possible. You know he came in with the plan. You know he wa- what he wants to do. AD will, maybe wasn't the most healthy. I think, yeah, their chances definitely got higher. Yeah, they, they, they did. <clears throat> um, I think they definitely, they definitely benefited from not having to win a lot of games to lock up the one seed and having this little runway to get to the playoffs because they needed it. Right? They spun their wheels in the beginning a, a little bit, looked a little rusty getting out the gate. But I think now that they've got that one seed locked up and they're ready to go, like, yeah, I think, I think Anthony Davis is definitely speaking facts here, like, you know, I think going in, they had a better chance. I got to disagree. I think they lost what would have been one of the most unfair advantages in the history of basketball, which would have been a seven-game series where they had home court in every game. Yeah. That's if they played yeah. the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. That would have been so weird having, like, the home Clippers games being, like, yeah. 80% Laker fans. The court would have been black, and there would have been more cheers for the Lakers when they scored. <laughs> yeah. Fact. At best, like, maybe decent for the Clippers but they lost that they lost Avery Bradley we don't know what Rondo's gonna look like when he comes back from a thumb injury 
I think it greatly benefited the Clippers. I agree that LeBron being rested is great, especially at his age. But remember, Anthony Davis doesn't have a lot of playoff experience. He's only made it to the second round once in his career. We haven't seen him in clutch situations often. I trust the Clippers past their... I trust the Clippers stars more than I trust non-LeBron Lakers. So I, I, I give the hands of the Clippers. When you when he breaks it down like that, Matt, you got points. Like point points were made. There's I'll points. Point points were points were definitely made. So I'll definitely see it out. But I'm gonna overall stick to the point where AD is speaking facts. But um, hey, we're gonna close on that. Kyle, were you about to say something? No, I'm good. You're good. I was All gonna right. say that uh, the Avery Badley loss. I don't see as too big. I see Dion Waiters stepping up well. Jr. Smith is definitely by collection to replace Avery Bradley. I think Kuzma's playing better. And I hope he doesn't get playoff minutes, but Alex Caruso looks all right. He don't look bad. He look he all right. Look Here's the thing. I think collectively, the, the guard, the defensive guard situation they would have had with Bradley and Rondo in late game situations or at all, I think that hurts. Because we got to remember, like, Rondo's not there either. And that defensive yeah. backcourt of Rondo and Bradley is is elite. Like, it's, it's definitely above average. Definitely big, yep. Alex Caruso is just a less attractive CJ McConnell. Less attractive? McConnell's a nice looking man. Like, I'm still on record saying I still don't think you can play McConnell in a playoff series. I think I could, I still think I could beat TJ McConnell one on one. I'm dead ass. That's that's worth the Barkley take of the Blazers. (laughs) Is James speaking fast? No. You make me laugh. You make me laugh. But I'm dead. There's a better chance the magic win the finals and there's a view beating TJ McConnell one-on-one. Well, the fact that... No, no. I was about to make sure I just fight, but no. There's not. Like, you're... Like, no. I... No. Come on, James. <laughs> TJ McConnell beat you lefty. No, he wouldn't, dog. James. Like, like, no, he wouldn't. I'm gonna move on. Move on. <laughs> because he wouldn't. Like, I'm serious, man. He just scored 19 in a playoff game. TJ, you can do 19... I can do what TJ does. I can do it. And that's no disrespect. I, it comes out as disrespect. I don't mean it to be disrespect. But I just think game to seven, I got him. He's like a 3,000-point high school scorer or something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jays. He ain't playing the Pac-10, though. He did not play in the Pac-10. That's fair. He ain't playing the Pac-10. That's so fair. I don't want to hear it. But, all right, we're going to move on to this, this past week in sports. Kyle's got the rundown for us. Let us know what happened, man. Not much happened. I got three, and Stat Matt's going to make an appearance with one, but let's get into it. So the first one is, in a weird sequence of events this past weekend, we learned that Yoannis Cespedes has opted out of the MLB season. This came after an 0-4 for 4 with two strikeout day on Saturday, and is said to be for COVID-related issues. Apparently, Cespedes left the team hotel on Saturday night after saying goodbye to teammates, and Mets GM Brody Van Wagenen was left to find out from Cespedes' agent during Sunday's game. This likely marks the end of Yoannis Cespedes, the Met, as he becomes an unrestricted free agent at the end of last year, or at the end of this year. So what do we make of this? I just think it's hilarious that he's basically ghosting the whole Mets organization, but his four-year contract was disastrous as he has not played a game before the season since like 2018. I think it's hysterical that it always happens in New York teams. Like, remember a couple years ago where the Knicks couldn't find Derrick Rose? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it always happens to, like, the bad New York team. I'm mad you phrased it like that, Kyle. This comes after a 0 for 4 day. Like, I'm mad. Well, because <laughs> put so, it in that context. Like, like he, how he got mad and left. And, and well, there's some, there's some talk that that COVID-related issues thing is not why he left. So, I think there is... A uh, sense of it was time to go. He was fed up. He's batting like 150 this year. I, yeah, he's I think never it's the a, same after that knee injury. Yeah, he's it's, never a, it's a collection of things. Yeah. All right. Damn, he's 34. Yeah, that, wow. that surprised me too. He all had. Yeah, he got he got his money though. <laughs> so moving on, over 50 players have decided to opt out of the upcoming NFL season so far, which will leave them with a $150,000 stipend for the year and the possibility of another 200000 if they're deemed high-risk individuals. But obviously, the situation isn't about the money. So notable players who have opted out include CJ Mosley, Eddie Goldman, Damian Williams, Nate Solder, and Dante Hightower, who's one of eight Patriots to make the move. So there's a lot of names here, and the opt-out deadline's still like 20 hours away, so I expect a few more tomorrow. 
But I think the bigger picture question here is what's the impact of the opt-outs on this upcoming season? I think it's going to give a lot of players an opportunity to shine that wouldn't get a shot before. And it's kind of unfair to make it so like, oh, the sixth rounder has a shot because the starter is afraid of getting his like newborn daughter COVID. But <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. And I think we're going to see a lot of diamonds in the rough come out this year. Um, and we'll see what GMs are that are really good at scouting. Because this is where a good GM really counts. My my first thought is why why is there an opt out date? Like why is the NFL like this? Yeah, deadline's like, tomorrow. Why, like, why, why are you like this? And if there is, why is it so soon? I think it's like you know, the NFL doesn't even have a plan yet. Yeah. So you're telling players to commit to something that they don't even know. It is a pandemic. It is a literally a fatal virus, yeah. and you don't have a plan yet of how you're going to conduct business or how your employees are going to be in the workplace yet you are making them sign a contract forcing them and requiring them to stay the whole season if it's past what august 6th tomorrow like that's absolutely insane this brings this this brings me back to the jacob martin interview we did where he was like what you guys know we know and i feel like it's the same now months later i feel like it is the same thing right now so I, i didn't actually think of that james that's a good point they don't know what they're even signing up for or opting out of and they have to choose so like like it's it's wild to me and and once and what's really messed up and what's really fucked up about what the nfl is doing is that having the the opt-out date so soon so far away from the season gives the nfl runway to just like to lollygag to not commit to anything because like where are you gonna go you already said it you already said that you were playing so if you leave now you leave with nothing so you're not you're not gonna play. It gives them 100% leverage to do this, and it's completely unfair, like completely unfair. And you know, I know I know the players put pressure on the NFL before, but it, it kind of looked like they pressed up against the mountain, got it to move an inch, and then like were satisfied. Like they got the NFL to say like, okay, we'll make a plan, and then submitted what like two entries to the NFLPA, both were shot down, and then all of a sudden they come in with an opt-in date. Yeah, I think it's a little early if you're gonna have a date as well. I, I don't like what they're doing right now, but I would be pissed off if I was a player. I know it'd be. You're, you're, you're speaking facts, James. You're speaking, yeah. you're speaking facts. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be pissed off, man. I will let that one linger because I'm sure we'll be back to it at some episode. Moving on, though. So the XFL is back, probably. A group, <laughs> a group including Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, has agreed to purchase the NFL for 15 million dollars or XFL for 15 million dollars. A sale which is, has to be approved by a bankruptcy judge on Friday. If approved, the plan is actually to play next season with the bubble concept already in the works. As you may remember, the XFL is actually doing very well before they were forced to shut down. They were projecting $46 million in gross revenue, um, which was exceeding all internal and, ex- and uh, external expectations for the uh, from everyone surrounding the league. So as a football fan, more football fans, always great. But given the uncertainty of this upcoming NFL season, I feel like hearing that any football is going to be planned for 2021 is great news. So welcome back, XFL. I can smell what The Rock is cooking, yo. And, like, <laughs> not too many things that Dwayne Johnson puts his hands on are, that are unsuccessful, especially now with, like, the, the tycoon and then, like, how plugged, in, how plugged in he is now. So I got full faith in Dwayne Johnson. People are asking him to run yeah. for president. So if he can run – if they, people can run a country, I think he can run, like, a, a, a semi-pro football league. They got the right guy, too, especially yeah. coming from, like, Vince McMahon, WWE owner, and now you're bringing in the WWE's it's like probably – the It's really like a pass on the torch. Probably their biggest star ever, who, by the way, is better on screen than Vince McMahon. Maybe not at the business mm-hmm. stuff, but all the bravado stuff. That's The Rock. He should have been on the team already. <laughs> Remember, former college football player as well, so he knows football too. True, Miami. It's just the it's the perfect match, man. All right, Matt. That's all I got for this week in sports. But I'm gonna throw it to you. I hear you got one. So Fulham won. Fulham FC won the EFL Championship playoff, putting them back in the Premier League. They were in the Premier League uh, last season. This is their first season relegated, and they got back. But I want to talk about the team that they beat, and that's a team named Brentford. I don't know a lot about Brentford. But they had the tied for the best goal differential in the championship this season. They have a bunch of really good young players that are going to get sold off to Premier League teams this summer. And they really bottled the season, as a British person would say. 
a third version of Choke. They played Stoke City and Barnsley the last two games of the season. All they needed was two points, so two draws or one win. Stoke City finished 15th in the league. Barnsley finished 21st. They lost to both of them. That would have guaranteed automatic promotion, and they screwed it up. And then their manager says, we're not afraid of Fulham. They've played us twice and haven't scored a goal. And then they go on to lose 2-1. And the guy who scored two goals for Fulham, it was the first time he scored two goals in his entire career. There's an incredible bottle job. And they're probably not going to have a good chance next year because they lost other good players. Incredible bottle job. Bottle job. Uh, Matt, I appreciate how passionate you are on this subject. I'm just wondering why. I think it's funny. I think it's funny. That's, that's where I was going to go. It's like, sports collapse like what? that I don't empathize with the fans because I don't know where Brentford is. So. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like it's somewhere in, in Great Britain. It's got yeah. it, right? I'm, I'm maybe trying. Wells. They have Welsh teams too, so maybe. <laughs> that's where I was going to go with it. I think that's like, I don't know enough to care, but I think that's a hilarious story the way you told that it already. For an American big four sports team, that'd be hilarious. Yeah, especially with the relegation and stuff, if they had that in, like, the MLB. And you get, like, a I want to bring relegation oh, to American hilarious. sports. It's a perfect, harsh penalty. Which sport? I think baseball. You have to fix the um, minor league system, though. You have to make it Ooh, so... Wow, I think the NBA could do it. I would say G. I would, I would, yeah, I would, with the G League, change that whole system. Yeah, you know, I like yeah, that. The whole thing about the G League changes too. I like that. I like that. Yeah. We'll do that. All right. So that was this past week in sports. Let's move it to the countdown. Number five. The percentage chance the Spurs have to make the playoffs via ESPN's Basketball Power Index. The Spurs, we detailed them uh, in one of our social media clips of the five playing teams, and they don't have much of a chance. But I mean. The Suns, as we detailed, too, had less than a 1% chance, and they're 4-0 in the bubble. So, I don't know. I, I guess anything can happen at this point, right? Yeah, the Spurs, the Spurs are playing well, too. Yeah, they almost beat the Sixers. They've won other, they're looking pretty good. Yeah. As it says, they're a game behind the Blazers right now. Or I think they should say two games, but that actually this is definitely in play for them. Ooh, ooh Grizzlies, Grizzlies, shaky baby. Yeah. Shaky, oh, and four in the bubble. Shaky yeah. baby. It's going to be interesting. All right, number four. The number of NBA teams with an eight plus year drought without a playoff win that's the Kings, the Suns, the Pistons, and the Lakers. The Lakers are the one team that's going to change it, obviously. They're not going to get swept. <laughs> but here's just an incredible fact. The last time the Lakers won a playoff game, LeBron had zero rings. Wow. That's ugly. That's an ugly stat. Yeah, actually, when I read read this, I didn't realize it was playoff game and not playoff series. So the yeah, fact like all four game, got swept. One they game. They got events. swept in 2013, and then they haven't made the playoffs until now since. Wow. That's ugly. Hmm. And it looks like the Pist- Pistons definitely have to wait. And I guess the Kings and Suns, as it stands, probably have to wait. So No, no, nah, I'm hype on the Suns. Give the Suns like three Give the Suns like three years. If they keep Devin Booker, give them yeah. like four. It'll be a But I got a feeling next year it's going to be a number three and a nine-year drought without a playoff yeah. run. Right. Talking about number three, let's move on. Number three. Number of teams to make three-plus Super Bowls in a row. It's the Dolphins from 71 to 73, the Bills from 90 to 93, and the Patriots from 2016 to 2018. So that's three powerhouses in the NFL. And I don't know, hopefully we get an NFL season this this year. I'm not, I don't know, I'm not hoping. sad that the only team that made more than three didn't win any. Yeah, I was going to say, like, add all of those together and they have, like, a four wins. <laughs> yeah. So sad. Number two. The number of NBA franchises to make the playoffs 22 years in a row. That's the Syracuse Nationals slash Philadelphia 76ers from 1950 to 1971 and the Spurs from 1998 to today. They got that 5% shot according to ESPN. I know. We know that legacy's on the line. Do you think think Pop's worried about that? Like, do you think that's something that, like, he actually chases? Do that. Some people, like, look for stuff like that to, like, you know, in their... 20 plus years of success, they look at little stuff like that to, to try to motivate them because not much motivates them anymore. They want it all. So I'm wondering if that's like, I don't know, for if I'm a new guy on the Spurs, 
Because that's something I would I would want to keep up. And Tim Duncan being an assistant coach, I, I'm I would not doubt he's been in you know in Demar's ear and LA's ear, somebody's ear. Be like, don't fuck this up for us now. Remember what JJ said to Zion? Yeah. Like, don't fuck this up for us now. Don't be the one. Don't I think one. I think the players that are on the Spurs now, their motivation is we don't want to be the team that, that's the one that fucks it up. Exactly. We don't want to be remembered as those people. And are exactly. they are they tied with the Sixers right now? Is that a tie? I'm looking at. So this is a potential record breaking. Yeah, break the record. Like, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's going to be the year, but we will find out. Moving on, number one. The number of non QBs to make the NFL top 100 every year of their career, and that's the one and only Larry Legend, Larry Fitzgerald. Pit. Like, you uh, held a pit. Pit. He's got to be one of the most underrated players, or maybe like underappreciated, overlooked. I don't know what the word is. But not like people don't talk about Larry Fitzgerald nearly as much as they should, and he's still going. I think I think that comes from now because I feel like they did ten years ago, maybe eight. Larry Fitzgerald was in that top three conversation. So I have an incredible Larry Fitzgerald stat. I love. He him. has more career tackles than he has drops. Yep. Yeah. Doesn't Julio has that stat too? Right. I'm not sure, but Larry Fitzgerald stat shows a lot about. How good his hands are, and a lot about how many bad quarterbacks he had to tackle the guy who intercepted the pass for. Yeah, I think Julio did it in a year. For Larry to do it for his career, crazy. Also, not only a Pitt graduate, but a Valley Forge Military Academy alum, and then he transferred to Pitt. So, another, another, you know, ha, now I got a Larry Fitzgerald stat, man. <laughs> No, I got an Yeah, well, there's a reason he was the number three pick. You can look to two Myron Horn, you could look at the Pitt highlights, and he's there, and no doubt Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, a special entry on the countdown today. We have a number zero. Look at that, Matt. Asserting his dominance. <laughs> added, added a, a segment of this week in sports. Added a zero. Go ahead. Your the number of teams that have won an NBA championship with zero starters that were drafted by the team. The Lakers and Clippers will could change that this season if they win the trip. That's a great stat. That's a great stat. Yeah, you deserve that number zero. You did. You did. You earned it. <laughs> What's That's funny cool. is the Mavericks almost didn't count because Dirk was technically drafted by the Bucks, but then I remembered that they drafted Jason Kidd before he was like Maverick, then a then son, then net, then a Maverick again. Is this just going to be another one of those stats that gets added on to LeBron's legacy? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want that one. There, it might be. All right, we're almost out of time, but we can get some shots up at the buzzer. Anyone got anything to say at the buzzer? Matt, you always have something. You got something again? I just want to say um, a devastating explosion happened in Beirut, Lebanon. Was that yesterday or two days ago? It was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. And it's Lebanon is a country that has taken in so many refugees from war-torn countries. They've done a lot of humane efforts to help them out. A fifth of their population is refugees. And it's just devastating for this to happen to their most prosperous city and in the port, which is one of the more prosperous areas. If you want to donate to help, go to the Lebanon Red Cross. Um, make sure it's legit. Some really horrible people are trying to scam people. Um, but if you go to like the Red Cross website, they'll help you out and give money if you can to help the people who are experiencing this tragedy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see the world come together for America when we're fighting a social justice you know, initiative or social injustice initiative. So, like, the least we could do is extend a hand. Yeah, like, all these celebrities, like, gave over, like, a billion dollars to help a famous church that built down when the Notre Dame fell down, burnt down. We can do the same for people living in Lebanon. Just because it's not Europe or America doesn't mean it doesn't matter. These are people, too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'll go next. I'll stay on a, a serious theme. I have to give shine and give praise to someone who... I often criticize, a lot of people often criticize, and that's Kyrie Irving, um, you know, a, a guy who's been in the news lately for all the right reasons. And we've, a lot of people spend a good amount of time, like, you know, kind of clowning Kyrie, and sometimes deservedly so, some of the things that he said, we don't even have to get into it. But right now, he's walking the walk as much as anybody is in the NBA, it, it, really like in America right now, and I think it's it's tremendous. He voiced his concern about going to the NBA bubble and ultimately decided not to join the Nets in the bubble and resisted the restart of the NBA. Um, and but you know, has since hasn't really been sitting on his hands in his meantime. He's been doing 
a lot of things help further the you know the great movement in this country. Um, you know, he's he's started in creating a Breonna Taylor documentary. He's been an avid supporter of the WNBA uh, and what they're trying to do. He's donated vegan burgers to food banks. Like he's he's doing and going above and beyond for a lot of things. And we got to really give Kyrie Irving his his dabs, his praise, and you know he's he's really been a great example. So I personally wanted to say and and just wanted to recognize Kyrie for what he's doing because there's a lot of times where I may not be doing that. There's a lot of times where. You know, we have we have fun at the expense of something that Kyrie is saying. If when he when we clown him for being stupid, we have to praise him for doing awesome things. And right, there's incredible. He deserves all the praise he gets. Yeah, there's there's a there's a famous saying: the praise should be as loud as the disrespect was. So that's that's all I'm trying to do right now. Is we spent it wasn't that long ago, a couple episodes ago, Matt, when Kyrie was on the the Zoom call with his players, we were kind of clowning him because one day it was 80 players, the next day it was 40, and the next day it was 20. And we were kind of saying, like, look, he has, not, he has a basis argument right now. So I just, you know, I want to have both sides of the coin here be transparent. But that's all I got at the buzzer. Kyle, you got something at the buzzer? Yeah, uh, I'll keep it serious. I was actually going to say this anyways. But um, racial injustice is not a political issue. There's people on both sides, Democrat and Republican, that are for it and against it. And um, we don't have to make it political. This is bigger than that. This is a human issue. And what are we doing? I mean, let's just not do that. I mean, we just made TikTok political. Yeah. That's not the realm for everything. So this is a human issue, and I hate to see stuff in comments on Twitter divided based off political beliefs. Yeah, I, I completely Human rights should not be debated. It's simple as that, right? Like, it's, it's I, I've seen a lot of people, you know, kind of put themselves in a box in a category and like if I if I vote for Trump or if I'm Republican it means I, I'm I automatically I take a stance against the Black Lives Matter movement and even you know people on on, on this side of the argument too they see someone who's a Republican and they automatically assume that they're against the Black Lives Matter movement I think that's completely unfair like I know people who vote Republican and who are out in the streets protesting with me like, I don't care who are you voting for in November? I wouldn't recommend that you vote for Donald Trump, but if you can say Black Lives Matter and you you can identify the problem in the country, I really don't give a shit who you vote for at the end of the day. If we can agree on that, that's you're you're a good person to me. So that's all that is. But we get in that on on that note. It was a great episode. I, I really enjoyed this episode. It was a great one. Big ups to Kyle Sirik and Stat Matt Robinson. Uh, we keep in remembrance our co-host Jake was a little busy this week, wasn't able to join us. Um, but keep it locked next week. We're going to try to get back with Max Gordon. We had some technical difficulties last week, so we'll try to get back to him. But for Kyle Sturrock and Stat Matt Robinson, I'm James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up. <laughs>